0: Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Matthew Roberts, the Labor Law Helpline Manager and Employment Law Counsel with the California Chamber of Commerce. Hello, everyone. It's always an exciting time around the chamber when the court system gives California employers a win. And that is just what we got on February 15th from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. In a long awaited decision, the Ninth Circuit invalidated a California law that prohibited an employer from requiring a California employee to sign an agreement that the employee would arbitrate any claims arising out of their employment rather than file a lawsuit with the courts this type of agreement is generally known as a mandatory arbitration agreement and i know we've spoken about this issue uh in the past as well and we're back with another update on this one so joining me for a discussion of how we got to this point and what it means for the future is ashley hoffman cal chambers employment law advocate welcome back to the show ashley thanks matthew All right, so let's start uh, in your wheelhouse, really, and talk about the law itself and kind of the history surrounding where this law came from.
1: So AB 51 passed in 2019, which means that it was set to take effect on January 1st, 2020. Uh, Essentially, it banned employers from uh, requiring employees to sign arbitration agreements as a condition of employment by imposing civil and criminal penalties if employers required that. AB 51 is really the most recent um, in a string of laws attempted to you know, vilify arbitration, um, some of which were nearly identical to AB 51, including a 2018 bill vetoed by Governor Brown, SB 3080, uh, that did virtually the same thing uh, because he felt like the law wouldn't pass judicial scrutiny under the FAA, and it turns out he was right.
0: Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the litigation history now, uh, because as I understand, AB 51 has never taken effect, even though it was supposed to take effect more than three years ago now, because lawsuits were filed about it.
1: That is correct. So prior to taking effect, a uh, coalition of businesses, including Cal Chamber and the U.S. Chamber, filed a lawsuit arguing that AB 51 violated the FAA. Um, The district court agreed with that um, and therefore was able to enter a injunction. Um, So the bill did not take effect as it should have January 1st, 2020, and we've been in court ever since.
0: So when the trial court agreed with us that this violated the federal law, uh, that really wasn't the end of this litigation history, though, was it?
1: Yeah, this one's been interesting. Um, So essentially, the district court did agree with us. uh, So there was an injunction in place. The Ninth Circuit then, in a split decision, uh, overturned the trial court. However, there is a procedure where you can seek what's called en banc review at a court of appeals level, um, what that means is essentially you are asking for, instead of a three judge panel, a larger judge panel to really like kind of retake a look at it. Um, that's not something that's always granted. You know, the judges kind of go back and forth debating whether or not to grant on bond review. Um, but the good news was that because we requested on bond review, the trial court's injunction was put back into place. Um, And so what we got a couple of days ago was uh, actually the Ninth Circuit, instead of granting en banc review, uh, they actually voluntarily withdrew the old opinion um, and then reissued what we got on the 15th um, with one of the judges switching sides and making it two to one in our favor.
0: So that's really fascinating, and I'm not sure that I've seen that really in the employment law context where the Ninth Circuit issues one decision, then decides to pull it back on its own and issue a completely different decision. So why did they change their mind then between the two decisions?
1: So it's interesting. I think in the original opinion, Judge Acuta's dissent was really strong, um, and that was really repeating a lot of our arguments that the AB 51 was, in fact preempted by the FAA. And so one of the judges did ultimately switch uh, rather to going on, which is, I think goes to show that judge probably was on the fence to begin with. That would be my guess. Um, and so what the court held was, you know, there's a couple of different theories under which Um, laws can be preempted by the FAA. And here, it was clear that AB 51 was um, what we call kind of discriminating against arbitration agreements and that it was criminalizing the act of requiring employees to sign arbitration agreements as a condition of employment. And so when you have situations um, where you have laws that, you know, try to essentially undercut the FAA, right, by deterring formation, or um, sometimes on the other hand, if there is an arbitration agreement, but seeking to invalidate it, that would be enough to find preemption under the FAA. And that's really what happened here.
0: Yeah. And for me, what I always found really interesting about this case was AB 51 criminalizes and imposes civil penalties on making people sign the agreements. But in the law itself, once the agreements are in place, they're actually still enforceable as this kind of weird workaround that they tried to that mm-hmm. the state legislature tried to put in there, um, which creates this you know weird situation where an employer violates the law, but then can enforce the fruits of violating the law. It was kind of bizarre. So um, the decision you know, from the Ninth Circuit that we've got now, I found interesting that kind of examined that and said, you know, this is kind of ridiculous right, <laughs> right. to have that kind of situation. So with the decision in place now, where does that leave us as employers with arbitration agreements and with AB 51? And really, what does the future hold?
1: So procedurally, um, you know, the state of California, which is the opposing party, right, they are set with the task of defending California's laws. Um, so it is up to them, the AG's office, whether they want to try and potentially request their own en bank review, if they want to try and go up to the Supreme Court uh, with a cert. Um, to see if the Supreme Court will take it on. Um, But for now, employers can continue requiring mandatory arbitration agreement for California employees as a condition of employment. Um, And you know, I I know within the legislature a lot of times there's a lot of attacks on arbitration, but our point of view, and there's definitely some research to back this up, is arbitration is often a more cost-effective and efficient means of resolving a dispute um you know it's you're not being pounded with discovery for years right dragging all of this out really increasing expenses on both sides um, so oftentimes it's actually better for the employee and the employer
0: so one thing i also like to highlight with this is the ruling's fantastic employers can continue to require employees to sign arbitration agreements but one thing i like to caution is that we This doesn't give employers carte blanche to just put any kind of agreement in front of an employee, right? Uh, What the FAA says really is that uh, this just puts arbitration agreements on the same footing as other contracts and that then they're subject to regular contract laws and contract laws have always been in place that says these agreements can still be unenforceable if they're procedurally or if their content within the agreements are unfair. So it's really important for employers who want to either start this process of using mandatory arbitration agreements or want to continue on with this process. Uh, to regularly get their agreements drafted and reviewed by council, to ensure that the agreements that we do require our employees to sign are still lawful and enforceable at the end of the day. So, Ashley, um, any final thoughts about the future of AB 51 or mandatory arbitration agreements in general um, at the legislature? Have you been hearing anything as we start a new session?
1: Yeah, and I think you raise a really good point, right? Just because you are allowed to have an employee sign arbitration agreement doesn't necessarily make it enforceable. And, you know, the plaintiff's spar will continue to challenge arbitration agreements just because someone signs it. Um, I would... Expect that you are going to likely have to file a motion to compel if you are trying to enforce it. They are probably not willingly going to go to arbitration. My own personal practice, I saw that happen one time, and <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, again, it will continue to be vilified uh, in the legislature. It always is. It's very seen as very pro employer. Obviously, we highly disagree with that. There's um, data to show that employee claimants um, actually often win more and actually are spending less time in litigation and are coming out actually with higher awards. So we have seen already a bill this year, SB365, that takes an aim at arbitration trying to say that even that if you are appealing a denial of a motion to compel, uh, the trial court can never stay the trial court proceeding. So you would be basically forced to litigate while your appeal is pending, which undermines largely right, the benefits of arbitration. So. Uh, This is definitely not the end. Um, Of course, in Viking River um, and the pending case before the California Supreme Court when it comes to arbitrating Paga claims, um, arbitration will absolutely continue to be a hot topic for, for years to
0: come. Well, Ashley, it was really my pleasure having you on today. Thank you for taking part in this show and discussion of arbitration agreements.
1: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: And thank you, listeners, for joining this discussion on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Chambers' podcast by visiting calchamber.com.